Hi, this is Diora Baird Bailey from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning, and you're listening to the Don't Go Out There Horror Podcast. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. We really appreciate all the support. Quick shout out to you know our socials and uh, website. Just give those a check. All of our interviews, like we're about to have tonight with another wonderful guest. We are thrilled to be joined today by an actress with over 60 credits to her name. She's best known for her roles in Wedding Crashers, Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Beginning, and most recently, the very popular Cobra Kai TV series, Ms. Dior Baird. Ms. Baird, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, with all of our interviews, Ms. Baird, we just like to start them off by just asking, what kind of got you into acting? Oh, goodness. Um, I started acting many, 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 many moons ago. I've been in the industry my entire life, but... Um, Funny enough, I actually got put into acting classes because I was so shy as a kid. <laughs> so uh, my mom thought this would be a good way to torture me out of my shyness and have me perform for people. But I guess it worked. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it worked so well. You know, in 2005, you got the role of uh, Vivian in the huge success Wedding Crashers. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how it was working alongside, you know, such a star-studded star comedy cast in that one? Yeah, working on Wedding Crashers, I had no idea it was going to be such a big hit. I, I, I don't think you ever know what's going to take off. Right. Um, and every time I think, oh, this is terrible, this, this is, is not going to get anywhere, uh, it ends up being a huge hit. So <laughs> clearly, I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, no, honestly, it was it was the first big feature I had ever worked on. And everyone was so, so nice. It took, you know, 120 auditions for that little role. But uh, David Dopkin was was amazing. And Owen and Vince were just watching them was my favorite part. I loved being in the video village area, just kind of watching because you never knew what they were going to say. They right. really st stayed on script. And I think that was the key for David, the director. He wanted to be able to find somebody to play Vivian who could riff off Owen because there's a lot of things that you just don't expect. Right. Um, but I have a little bit of experience with the improv world. So it, it worked out in my favor. Oh, yes. Man, that's awesome. Uh, I'm just going to transition to the horror movie uh, realm real quick because we, mm -hmm. yes, we're a horror podcast. We have to bring up Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning. You played Bailey. Can you tell us how you got that role and how the audition process went? Yeah, that was an interesting one for Texas Chainsaw. I auditioned a handful of times um, and it, they just kind of narrow down their selection, you know, after each round. And I actually never had to screen for any of the auditions, which I always find interesting because so many people in the horror genre have labeled me a scream queen. And I'm like, am I? I, I guess. I mean, I do scream a lot in a lot of things, especially <laughs> Texas. Um, but I always think, what if I like had the most 
awful scream, like one that like wasn't worthy of being a, a scream queen. And they would have probably had to ADR all that. But um, right. <laughs> I, I guess after the final round, I got I was told, oh, you're, you know, one of the options to play Bailey. And then I had a general meeting with Michael Bay, actually. And I think he just wanted to suss me out because I was the new kid on the block, so to speak. And he just wanted to know, I guess, he, I don't know. It's interesting. I think because he was the boss paying for everything, he wanted to meet me. Okay. And he kind of just observed. And I felt like I was, it was almost like a mild interrogation, but no audition. It was just an interview. And his surprise was always, oh, you're funny. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but I actually, you know, I know there's been mixed reviews about Michael Bay. I personally have nothing but uh, a positive experience with him. He even directed a few of the days we filmed Texas Chainsaw. Oh, okay. He was very much a part of the making of the film. Um, and I thought he was great. Yeah, and I mean, the beginning is considered the best entry in the franchise by honestly a lot of fans. Um, is it? I had no uh, idea. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, what do you What do you think the reason for that uh, for this movie still, you know, how it still continues to resonate with these people after all of these years? Oh gosh, I, that's a good question. I, you know, it's funny. I I didn't know that it was considered that. Um, I, I feel honored to be a part of this franchise that has lasted for so long. I think that's, I think that's the key. The horror genre, as you guys know, because this is, you know, your podcast, you probably know more than I, is a very loyal fan base. And it's very loyal, but it can also be very critical because so many of these cult classic films that were done years and years ago are considered these tiny treasures that people can watch over and over and over again. And kind of idolized. And I think the original Texas Chainsaw is one of those films from the genre. So anytime you remake something, you're putting yourself up to subject for criticism and whatnot. Luckily, it seems like I I can't explain why this film um, has kind of lasted for a while. So I... I don't know. I, I, you probably would know more as to why that is. I have no idea. <laughs> well, it definitely has a very loyal fan base, as as we found out uh, pretty recently. Um, we talked about that movie pretty in depth, and there was a a, a big uh, a, a big following for it. Let's just say that. So. Um, oh, well, that's so it's, great. It's great. Yes. Oh, and I'm I'm a part of it. I uh, I think the movie that you're in and the 2003 remake as a timeline is the best. By far, no offense to the original. It's just, yeah. I think it's shot well. I think the acting is phenomenal. Uh, the kills are great. I, I personally love the two movies, and, and I love the beginning. I love, I love that movie. And I wanted to ask you about your death scene in that movie. It's very emotionally powerful scene. Can you just tell us anything you remember about shooting? And I thought, whenever you were bound under the table with uh, Ludamage just singing to you, so creepy and terrifying. <laughs> really was to be honest i it still kind of gives me the willies um you know i'm such it's so funny because i actually i i can't watch scary movies i am so viscerally affected by i love the thriller genre like i can watch the shining and you know that kind of thing which is terrifying but the blood in the gore I, i just 
Ooh, I, um, a lot of Texas Chainsaw was not me acting. Honestly, I was, uh, that sounds terrible, but um, <laughs> they created, we shot on, you know, it wasn't a sound stage. We never ever shot on a stage. We were always shooting on location in Texas in that house. Oh, wow. That was the original house and the house that they, sh- they filmed the, the remake with Jessica Biel. So, and there was all of this history um and this <laughs> apparently a rumor that the house was haunted so of course i completely believed it um <laughs> and there were many a times where my character is tied up in places and that's not i wasn't it, there was no fake i was lit- like legitimately tied up and a few times they would walk off and kind of forget about me and, oh, wow. and I, I, yeah it was I mean not intentionally but you know you get caught up setting up other shots and I couldn't get out of the, like especially that under the table scene um it's it was uh it was really I think because we shot on such a real set um I mean they did such a good job with the set design the costume all of it that it it really wasn't that hard to pretend to be scared especially when you have someone like Andrew Bernarski who played Leatherface yes. in I think two of the films um he is very method and very intimidating and I don't think he ever took his mask off on set oh, like wow. he stayed in character in between so it's not like we were you know like with other actors you're like hanging out at crafty eating M&Ms whatever <laughs> not right. with him. like he kind of stayed off to his own world to I guess stay in that that character um so when I ran from him a few times I was like really running from him I did not want him to catch up <laughs> <laughs> do you remember anything about your uh, death scene actually or uh, at the table um yeah that was That was the first time I ever worked with squibs, uh, which is the device that they use to create fake blood. Mm -hmm. I've now since worked with them quite a bit, but that was my first experience with how sticky uh, the, the, it's glucose, basically it's sugar. So it's very sticky. It's very cold. And they built this uh, prosthetic neck, which the prep for this film was really, really interesting because I had to get my teeth molded, my neck molded, my face molded. Um, they, I, by that point at my death scene at the table, I obviously have, I'm wearing a wig, I'm wearing the mouthpiece. I've been tortured. Um, that day I vividly remember my mom had come up to Texas from Miami to visit me. And so here I am like, oh, I'm, you know, I've got a big role in a big film and my, look, mom, I made it. And her first day on set was that scene. Oh, and, oh wow. yeah, <laughs> and so she's watching in Video Village and then we shoot the first take. And, you know, I, that's when I, that they built the neck prosthetic to open up as I put my head back. Right. And so I timed it out where we tried to, it took quite a few takes that when he, because I obviously couldn't feel it. Um, and I would, I would not be here. I'd be dead. So I would have to time it out to when he would start slicing the prosthetic to open up my neck so that the blood would start oozing out. And um, the first take, I must have, we we timed it out pretty well. So after we, the director called cut, my mom kind of ran onto set and was like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously acting. And she's like, okay, that just looked really real. I was like, well, that's good. And Um, But then we had to do it over and over and over again. And that's when it gets tricky because you have to clean up the blood. 
um, and then it gets cold and it's sticky and then you start over. Um, but that was the first time I ever had to die on screen now that I'm thinking about it. So I guess I, 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 I'm pretty good at dying. I don't know what that means. <laughs> pretty good at acting. Okay, there. I, I'll take that. Thank you. And I 100% believe that you probably still do have maybe some, I won't say PTSD, but your character went through a lot of psychological torture in that movie. Bound under yeah. the table, on the bed. You had Arlie yeah. Ermey harassing you, which he was yeah. phenomenal. Well. It's, yeah, Arlie, um, I loved him. He was he was a sweetheart. Um, but once again, he comes from a different world. And I think military was his background for the most part. Right. And obviously, he told me a few of the how he got you know, discovered for full metal jacket and whatnot. And, um, I mean, he's a, he was a tough cookie and he, he got injured. We all got injured at some point, you know, which is bound to happen when you're doing your own stunts. And he got injured pretty bad at one point and he kept going. He didn't want to stop filming, which I was surprised by at his age. Um, but that whole like (laughs) predator aspect that was added into the scenes between Bailey and his character were not scripted. So the first time that happened, I believe it was after the Jeep rolled over. Um, maybe. Yeah, I think that might have been the first time because we shot somewhat in chronological order, which, you know, you tr- okay. you have to tr- kind of try to do with those type of films because it's right. really, really hard to bounce back and forth. Um but the producers came up to me afterwards and were like, oh, my God, we're so sorry. Are you OK? We had no idea he was going to do that. And you, you kind of they didn't really I don't think any I think everyone was kind of too scared to direct him. So they let him do whatever he wanted. And he oh, created wow. this. Um, I just happened to be the victim. And so that was interesting, I think you definitely hit on something as far as a residual PTSD. Cause that was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. Wow. Um, yeah. It took me a few months to shake it off, to be honest, it was a very strange sensation. And then of course, once the film came out, I, I mean, to be totally honest, I never fully read the script because it scared me so much. I never fully watched any of the others because it scared me so much. I'm such a baby. So I had no idea that we were about to be a huge success I had I literally I was clueless um <laughs> so but at this point in the you know in the game of Hollywood I'm so grateful that I even got the opportunity um and for having such a loyal fan base right yeah you even spoofed the entire genre um including Chainsaw a few <laughs> uh, a few years later in uh, Stan Helsing um can you can you talk a little bit about that uh you and Steve Howie were great in that film Oh, I love Steve. Um, he's a sweetheart. That was such a that was such a silly, fun movie. Actually, uh, I got to work with my dear friend at the time, uh, Desi Lydic. She she was coming up as an actress, um, and so we just had fun. Keenan Thompson is hysterical. I mean, I just describe that movie as like a good time. If you want to like get stoned and just laugh or have a drinking game, that is the movie to do it. It's just silliness. Yeah. I want to ask you another question about another horror movie you were in back in 2010, 30 Days of Night, the sequel, Dark Days. Can you just talk to us a little about your role as Amber? Oh, yeah. Dark Days was such a fun film. I loved that one. 
because I wasn't for the most part in the entire film <laughs> and I got to play a bit of a stronger character the hunter so to speak the vampire hunter one of the vampire hunters and I got to do like actual gun training because the director wanted me to shoot an actual Uzi one-handed which you don't do <laughs> that's not really how <laughs> right. they're they're meant to be operated but right. of course for the sake of cinematography and movie making they were like yeah it'd be really cool if Amber just like shoots an Uzi one-handed and the guy they had like a gun specialist be like that's just not possible but we're gonna try to teach you that anyways um so that was fun it was the first time I got to do any sort of gun training um and I see I can't the 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 the, the leather face genre creeps me out right but vampires I can handle I have like a vampire fetish perhaps from that like growing up with interview with the vampire okay um, yeah you know, and so I've always had a fascination with that world because I just Leatherface is too close to home. Like that shit happens. You know what I mean? Like People right. do crazy things. But vampires, I can take that as, fa you know, fairy tale fantasy or whatever. Um, so I love I love vampire films. I was so stoked that I got to do that one. <laughs> All right. So shifting gears a little bit, I have to ask you about Cobra Kai. I'm a I'm a big fan of that show. I can't wait for season three to come out, which the the teaser just came out today, I believe. Um, you play Shannon, which is uh, it, I mean, is she the ex-wife of Johnny Lawrence, or did they just have Robbie together? I'm not real sure about that. But um, you know, that's a good question. I don't think anyone knows if if Johnny and Shannon were married. It's kind of there's a lot of vagueness to that right. that storyline, which. Um, hopefully we will find more about soon but yeah we just got uh, a date of season three release which is january 8th which is very exciting um yeah it's you know what it's funny because we've done two through filmed three seasons so far but the fact that it's just now getting all this attention is a little bizarre because it's been out for a couple of years it just was on a different network so right. the fact that it's on netflix now i I, once again, completely naive, was like, well, I mean, it's already out. It's how much of a difference is, I'm sure some more people will be able to watch it, but no, it like, it really struck a nerve in a, in a great way. And I think that considering the time of where we are in the world right. right now, I think it's so great that we have an outlet in the entertainment industry to escape the reality that is the stressful situation of our climate. So I think it's awesome because who doesn't love the original Karate Kid genre? You know, I think at any age, you can appreciate something like that. Yeah, and, and it says something wholesome about it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it is very wholesome. It's so funny because I've done, uh, after we filmed, or we were in the middle of filming the first season, I had to do, an, I went and did a, an autograph convention, which I've done time to time, which I don't know how that, that they're going to exist, you know, post-pandemic, right. we'll see, but um uh, John, not Johnny, Billy, William Zacco, he is, his booth just happened to be next to mine. And this was before the first season even came out. It wasn't even announced. It was all very top secret. And um, I saw his fan base coming up to him, just the original, and it was all kids and families. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. And then my fan <laughs> <laughs> my like the, the like contrast I was like I want some kids and then eventually he started telling people like guess what that that woman Dior Baird she she's in Cobra Kai and they were like what 
um, because he just so happened to have a photo that he was signing from our first film together, Hot Tub Time Machine, actually, which is how we which is how I got involved in Cobra Kai, funny enough. So Josh Held, the creator of Cobra Kai, worked on Hot Tub Time Machine. And it's a trickle-down effect. The reason I did Hot Tub Time Machine is because I worked with Steve Pink, uh, who directed Accepted. And, you know, it's just kind of word of mouth the way things operate in this town. And I got a call last second. Hey, we're, you know, doing this Cobra Kai Karate Kid reboot in Atlanta. We really um, would love for you to come down and, and, you know, play this role. And I was, at the time, funny enough, had just finished showing my daughter, the Karate Kid franchise, because she was really into karate at the time. And it was the first job. I was like, oh, guess what? Mommy's got a job. What is it? Oh, it's the Karate Kid TV show. Oh, cool. And now, especially, she thinks it's really. So I feel like, if anything, it's just earned me some cool mom points. Nice. Being able to be a part of this franchise, which is um, pretty cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it also looks like you have a movie called uh, The Virtuoso coming up soon, where you co-star with The Anthony Hopkins. Is there anything you can tell us about that? Yeah, that was a fun one. Um, that is, speaking of The Shining, the hotel we stayed in was for sure haunted, and I felt like I was in The Shining every day. We <laughs> shot up in, in the Poconos in Pennsylvania in the dead of winter of which was april and it was like three degrees um it was intense it was a really really hard arduous shoot to say the least um anthony hopkins i didn't have any scenes with him but the fact that he got to you know i was even attached to a film with him which was which was pretty cool um once again mostly because he was in dracula i was like uh yes please (laughs) um but uh I got to work opposite Richard Bla- uh, Richard Blake, who I he's a big part of um, the Game of Thrones genre, and he's done a lot of horror films, a lot of Rob Zombie stuff. He's amazing. We had a great cast, actually. A lot of people from England. Abby Cornish was there. Um, it was it was really really fascinating to have this group of like. I always feel like, oh, there's British people. Okay, then it's a legit film. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, like, like sit, going to lunch and like everyone talking with their little accents. I'm like, oh, I feel like a proper thespian now. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's it's with independent, even though we do have a good name cast, it's still considered an indie film. I don't even know if there's a studio attached. This is the thing with films is you never, the post can take so long and you never know. Oh, yes, ma'am. Miss Dior, is there anything else you have coming up uh, down the dock you'd like to catch up all of our fans on or want to plug anything? Um, yeah, I definitely have taken this opportunity um, for the most part to create content and become creative in a way that I've always wanted to. You know, um, right. it's interesting. This this whole situation that we're in is causing a lot of people to have to slow down because we don't have a choice um and it's really kind of putting into focus of the things that I've always wanted to do but never quite made the time for because I'll get distracted with auditions or another project and then dive into that in life but I've always been such a big fan of that like 60s pinup world um you know and I think that there's so much to women who can feel sexy and do what they want because they want to without there being 
a backlash. And I think, I think that's kind of why I, t- I gravitate towards that French new wave era in general, because you look at people like Brigitte Bordeaux and Catherine Deneuve, and they have so much respect. Um, but then if you're labeled a sex symbol, which I definitely have been put in that category in the States, it's an interesting it's an interesting little pigeonhole. It's not as like wildly, widely respected as, as it is perhaps in other countries. Um, but now I'm finally getting, you know, finding ways to scratch that itch and create content as, as, as a creator myself, um, beginning to work with new photographers and collaborate with the film genre and photography because I've worked in both and I've always wanted to find a way to blend those two worlds. So I've created an OnlyFans account and it's been um it's been it's been pretty amazing. So I'm I'm looking forward to creating more fun stuff in that in that world. Awesome. Well absolutely. Yeah. Uh Ms. Yeah. Baird, just want to thank you so much for joining us today. The audience they can find you on Cameo where you graciously did an intro to our podcast which we really appreciate uh where else can the audience reach and help support you uh maybe social media or a website yeah they can definitely check me out um on instagram twitter i i don't tweet as much but i'm definitely i'm definitely on there you are not missing anything on twitter that place is a <laughs> I know. I stay. I think I stay with Instagram because it's photos and it's easier to navigate. But right. honestly, for the most part, right now, um, I try to stay away from all social media and focus on just creating content and putting that out there. Absolutely, and like you said, with the pandemic, we've been making more episodes and trying to create some kind of entertainment for people. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's great. That's awesome. I'm so grateful that you guys are doing that. I think now more than ever, it's really putting into focus how important and vital having that escape and that enter- the entertainment industry truly is essential. And I think more than ever, we're realizing that now because without it, it is dark. It's very dark. So I know for me, I've gone in and out of different levels of emotion these past few months. And I found myself gravitating towards entertainment more so than the news and wanting to just laugh and feel good for a moment and not have to like think about everything that's wrong, you know? Right. So Uh, that's where I feel like now I'm like, okay, I can, I've always struggled with this. What is my purpose in, in, in the universe? And now I'm like, I can offer good by way of entertaining. And that's what I've done my entire life. And now I'm figuring out how to hone that in. And OnlyFans truly has been such a great platform for that since I've recently, uh, I joined that platform and it's just, I'm just kind of, this is literally just the beginning. I have so many ideas. I'm so excited. Oh, yes. I just want to say thank you one more time for joining us. We really appreciate it. And stay safe during these uh, challenging times. Thank you so much. You too, guys. And I uh, just want to remind everybody to uh, don't go out there.